This is former Saskatoon Flyer Scott Sissons, and you're listening to the Monday News. Well, hello and a big welcome to all the degenerates and pigeons tuned in. Welcome to Twirl 153 of the Monday Nooner podcast. Our pod is always brought to you by the King of Trucks. Worth the drive every time guaranteed out to Rosetown, Mainline GM, Mainline Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram. They've got it all out there in Rosetown. It is worth your uh, time to work with those weapons out there. And they've got some big time uh, deals going on there as they always do at the King of Trucks. Massive deals and interest rates that we haven't seen since, I don't know, last couple of years. The trucks, on the truck side. You know what? The Chrysler, the Dodge. I was saying this in the senior show a few days ago. If you like those big screens and those Dodges, it is sweet. They're really nice. They got 25% off the 2022 Ram Classics, 20% off the 23s, and then 10% off if you're SUV guy, you like your Durangos, they got 10%. Off those extra thousand dollars bonus cash, like you were saying, Barry, financing rates low as 1.99. Boz OAC WWAG. Why wouldn't a guy love it? Head out there and uh, take advantage of the King of Trucks in Rosetown. Been with us for a very long time. We appreciate their support for sure. And if if Fellas, if you're not, if you're like, ah, I'm not a Dodge guy, I'm kind of more a GM guy like Boz. I like Boz's Sierra's ripping around in from Rosetown, that nice white one. You can go over there, $750 bonus, and they got financing rates, guys. Get this, 149 OAC. Niner, That's niner. unheard of. Yeah, You just don't get that anymore. And uh, yeah, they'll any any pre-owned trucks, they got them there. They're certified. They'll get her done for you. And like we talked about the other show, Shouty Scotty, you'll get low, get any picks you need of anything. You don't even have to go in there. You like what you see, make the deal over the phone. They'll deliver it to you. They'll bring it to your house, drop it off off the truck. Seen it, saw it firsthand. Bunch I love, of beauties. I love that it was like last week or a couple weeks ago in the senior show that Brandon finally learned what what OAC means <laughs> unapproved uh, credit. But so, you know, that leads me to believe Shane that he never got sucked into those old uh, visions, the brick, uh, I'm sure. all those, you know, you buy a TV, you pay $25 a month for the next <laughs> 75 years. The one cent Columbia house CDs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Still paying yeah. for them. Still Everybody paying for them. Everybody got sucked into that, but it was yeah. the TV deal too. When a guy signed up for that, you thought you were balling, little oh, yeah. pirated, uh, you know, direct TV from down south and your new TV. And it's just like, well, wait a minute. When I start adding this up, this isn't that good of a deal. You actually got, Boz, you actually bought a, th- back in our day, you bought a 32 inch TV. You need six guys to carry it into the house. <laughs> six guys, 32 incher. Hey, I, uh, I just Googled. The top three tourist attractions in Rosetown. Yeah. Obviously, we know it's a hustling, bustling town in the uh, west central part of Saskatchewan. Number three, the Rosetown and District Museum. If you're looking for a piece of history, you can swing by uh, the museum in Rosetown. Number two. Find one of those TVs there. You could. Number two, Riches, Antiques, and Collectibles. No free plugs for Riches in Rosetown. Yeah. And the number one tourist attraction in Rosetown, worth the drive every time, guaranteed, according to TripAdvisor, is Mainline GM and Mainline uh, Chrysler. So that's uh, 
Jody's going town top three this week. Just shading out Richie Seward's collectible world. That's uh, that's or super cool. My first real job at 1330-1210-CJYM-CJFM-AM radio. That place was a beauty, a little downstairs uh, radio broadcast booth. That's another tourist stop on uh, Main Street, Rosetown for sure. Did you ever do any interviews when you were there? Like, did you interview like Thelma that she made some cookies? She won like the baking contest. Did you have to do any of those kind of interviews? You know, there's a funny, yeah. Did one with the guy at the museum, actually, number three uh, tourist attraction in town. I was live on location and he had this real deep voice and is a pancake <laughs> breakfast. And uh, <laughs> my buddies used to always just, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Uh, whatever. That's just, I can't remember the guy's name, but my first Those ever interview, best. guy at the Rosetown Museum. Yeah, the money raised today is going towards the day to day operations of the Rosetown Museum. First ever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that best. good of a story, but that was the first ever interview I did. The first ever time I went live on the air belts in that basement yeah. was uh, Rick Astley. And I just said, I said, you've just been Rickrolled, West Central Saskatchewan, classic hits. <laughs> and then I froze up. And then we did Blue Jays broadcast. I'm like, Blue Jays baseball coming up next. That was my first, uh, yeah. You brutal. and Ronnie McLean. You and Ronnie McLean, yeah. former guest. No Billy Joel. No Billy Joel moving that's out so for funny. me. But the day-to-day operations of the museum. <laughs> Meanwhile, that guy's rolling in a new ride from Mainline. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could. Re- I wish I could remember his name. But yeah, it was my first ever interview. Uh, I peaked when, early. Let's just say I peaked early in uh, our town. That's when rates were. That's when rates were probably seventeen percent back then. I was. <laughs> I was such a weapon there. I was not old enough to go to the bar. Like I was only eighteen. But I used to always drive to these parties and put my bike in the back and then just bike home. It was like the most flawless system ever. Pick up my truck the next day. Put bike in the back. Six. You had the uh, van. Four and a half man. long months in Rosetown. Yeah, it was uh, was a time. So yeah, let's uh, come <laughs> up this week. Come up for General Well Servicing and hiring in southeastern Saskatchewan. Oil field jobs pay very, very well. If you're yeah. looking for a gig or your kids are looking for a gig, look up General Well Servicing. Shit, even send us a DM and we'll get in on. It. We'll help. Uh, we'll help get. Uh, we'll be a reference Monday nooner. I bet you some of those weapons make more in a week than I made in a month at CJYM. Absolutely. They Easy. Would. Almost a day. Easy. <laughs> Almost a day. Yeah. Yep. So coming up on the show, senior hockey talk, some player of the week stuff in the back half. We're going to run through the provincial bracket quickly and what's going on. Uh, We're going to keep it tight. We're going to yeah, keep it high and tight. No, we had no. a big senior show yesterday. Take a seat, son, man. I got some good ones there. I know you guys probably will as well. And then our interview, this guy was taken sixth overall in the 1990 NHL entry draft by the New York Islanders. He was highly touted going in. And that was a, Brandon talks about it in the interview. The, The bodies that went before him and after him in this draft, it was something else. He, he just, this guy couldn't catch a break. Injuries, um, the World Junior getting cut while it, when it was being hosted in Saskatoon, and he's from Saskatoon. Great interview, great guy, known him a long time, and a freaking hell of a golfer. Whole family, unbelievable golfers. Scott Sissons is going to be the interview this week. So that's Pick coming two. up. Uh, sorry, go ahead. 
I was just going to say he was the next pick after Yarmer Yager, one of the greatest players of all time. Wow. That's a cool, cool little stat. I was one behind Yogs. Yeah. And about yeah. 2,000 pro games behind him at this point. Yogs still buzzing, I think. Chechia. So that is the come up for General Well Servicing. Quickly into the last show recap, guys, for Arctic Spa in Saskatoon and Regina. Shane, you were just there visiting, I guess, the Arctic Spa in Regina. Seen saw Tori today. Yeah, he was buzzing. And uh, yeah, stuff. They're getting ready for the home show here in Regina. So that's a big, uh, big event for them. If you are around the city, I think it's the spring home and garden show, they call it. It's actually quite big. It's a huge show here. So get down there, seen saw the fellas and uh, get a tub. They'll have lots of specials down there. I know that for a fact. And uh, yeah, they're getting ready to roll things out and into the auditorium. Our last show, what was it? Kelly Taylor and uh, Joey Tedarenko, Buffalo Head. Uh, Joe, number one fifty. The man, like, imagine sitting in the sitting in an Arctic Spa hot tub with those guys for a few hours and guzzling. What a couple of couple of weapons when they get together. So we've had Kelly four times now on the show. He's our most uh, decorated, decorated Fort Carlton goaltender that we've ever had on the show. Most appearances by any guest on the Nooner, but. Uh, I'm not going to say I thought people might get sick of him because that's not what I'm alluding to, but I had like three or four people be like, man, I could listen to that guy all day. Like, he's so funny. He's like yeah. so Saskatchewan. Like, he's just all of us in a nutshell, but way funnier. Just the things he says. And if you didn't, if you didn't listen to it yet, go back and listen because uh, the naked fighting story was one that, uh, and then you, you've had the clip on social media of the Kindersley Clippers story. And I had a few people message me after that and go, what, what a guy. He really did that. I'm like, well, yeah, you heard it. He wasn't hiding it at all. Fantastic. The coach the coach at that time, what Wayne the hell Labrie. is his name? Wayne LaBrie. He, he still works for the Brooks Bandits, number one junior team in Canada for the last 10 years. I think he might be the director of players or head scout or something like Executive that. He actually the year. tweeted it and he said uh, – like that he recalled it or whatever, but uh, yeah, that's a hilarious story. I had a few people, people like the old sneaky Mike Babcock line there when he was telling the joke from the cruise ship. <laughs> that kind of one went over my head actually when we were recording it, but I uh, had a few people pick up on that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Kelly Taylor, Joey Tedarenko in 150. That was great. So you got to go back and listen to that. Uh, the last show recap for our friends at Arctic Spa in Saskatoon. Go buy a hot tub. It's hot tub season and discounts are flying out of both locations. I know we're going to give these guys a plug later, probably, but I want to mix one in now for Great Western Brewing. They've been uh, with us for a hell of a long time. It's getting to that time of the year. We'll talk about it. Quick senior segment. But uh, we haven't talked about it since the start of the year. But what they did last year, they're doing again this year. Any teams on the beer deal that win their league get the custom hoodies. Unreal. Original six team with their logo or whatever. I know they've got a gal that works for them that set it up and got these hoodies last year. I know Carnduff, I think, was one of them last year. Uh, that was an 016 beer deal team, won their league. So I wonder if there's any teams still in the mix that uh, support 016. Have you, ever see, have you ever seen saw a picture of the hoodie? I'd like to see one. I haven't seen one. I haven't, honestly. But Fellas, uh, if you're listening, some, tweet us. Some close I want to see their it. Vest. Just vest. And they're just, yeah. they're probably just black leather vests, crested, stitched on. Those are oh, the 
you, you know what I had the other day, and and I I don't think these are discontinued, but it's a summer drink, and there was a couple in mom's uh, fridge still, and then I had to go buy a case. Mike's hard lemonade. The GW lime. Oh, oh yeah, way better than my guess. Does that hit the spot? Such a fantastic beer. I'm hoping that thing is 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 still around this summer. I figured your mom was a GW Lime girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is uh, S. You you know what? Uh as we move and we talk about beer, what goes hand in hand with beer is golfing. I gotta mention our friend Kyle Duffin, uh Callaway in the province. It's getting to that time of the year. And Brandon, I know you bought new Callaways this year. Guys mm-hmm. are starting to get fitted and girls starting to get fitted around the province. So I know there's one coming up in Regina, March 23rd, Deer Valley's hosting one at the first T indoor golf facility. So if you need some new, I do, I need year, to get fitted actually. Do you? Yeah. I got these new clubs. I haven't, uh, I swung them once actually at first tee. not too bad, but I've never been custom fitted. So I wonder if it would help my game. Like they say it would, like all these pros and stuff say it would be a big help. Maybe I'll have to message, reach out to Duff and see if he can uh, get me in. fitted that day at first well, tee. I'll have Pine So 16 while he Yeah, helps you me. said you're buying a new driver possibly this year and you're thinking about a Callaway. So go get fitted for the new Callaway Yeah, and then kill two birds with one stone. You know, I did get the irons, but I did not get a driver, a three wood or the wedges. Those are still in my... Uh, Sights funnel. Can you get fitted yeah. for a putter? I don't know. I did buy a new putter though. I did take Duff's recommendation last year. Got the uh, white hot Odyssey. Man, sometimes I rolled that thing well. Sometimes I didn't. But we'll be talking about Callaway as we go along here and on the socials and stuff. But yeah, in uh, Regina area, March twenty third, the Deer Valley ones at the first tee. Shoutouts, boys. It's keeping her high and tight for Synergy AG, your crop input retailer. Locations all across the province, they keep popping up. Uh, if you're think, still thinking about what's going in the ground this year or thinking about exploring, visit Synergy AG, call them up. They'll come out and hook you up with everything you need. All right, who's got the first shout-out on this program? I know these guys team up a little bit with the SJHL, so I just wanted to mention anybody who's in one of these towns or surrounding towns, the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League just firing up their playoffs this weekend, I know we talk a lot of senior hockey, a lot of senior hockey former SJ guys. Uh, so they fire up Friday in all of the uh, SJ divisions. Battleford, number two team in Canada. They play Weyburn in round one. Humboldt, Nipwin, Flin Flon gets Estevan and Melfort, LaRange in round one. Best out of seven. Uh, all of those series. So I just say, hey, if you're in one of these uh, areas, take in a game. Battleford looks like a, no, not a sneaky wagon, just an absolute wagon. They had the top four scorers in the league, all from the same team. How crazy is that? Two guys over 100 points uh, in 50 games. And the SJ and then Humboldt. And I've heard that, uh, I've heard that Melfort could be a sneaky wagon as well. So just want to give a shout out to that league. Commissioner uh, Kyle McIntyre, big bracket challenge entry guy. He's, uh, Want to give his league a plug because I know he supports us and uh, yeah, taking some SJ. Trevor Blevins will have the Melfort Mustangs ready to go into the playoffs. That was a good. That was a good start to shoutouts. Uh, my man. first one, Kent Bittner, mortgage from my coach, old friend. We had a guy message us that uh, say he used old Bitsy. Uh, Bitsy hasn't been with us for a while when it comes to the uh, advertising side in the pod, but yeah. 
mortgage for my coach guy. I forget who it was that was getting uh, their mortgage through Kent, but it's nice to still have the spill off from the sponsors of the uh, Monday Nooner. Yep. Very much so. Hey, I got a quick one here. I don't have any names per se, but just shout out to all the parents that raised your kids. Right. You know, I just seen saw a real young girl the other day helping someone that really needed a helping hand and they, uh, they helped them out. Didn't have to, but they did. And I just, I was kind of the next person going and I was going to help, but this, this young girl did do it. And I just thought, you know what, this day and age, you don't see that a whole lot, especially I don't. And I thought, you know what, this girl was raised, right? So shout out to all those parents still raising your kids with good values and being good people. Nice. Yeah. I got a shout out for uh belt. You mentioned, you mentioned it on the senior show. We did a couple of donations to Catherine's yeah. cause sixth annual NICU uh, online auction. I wanted to give a shout out to the people who bought. I did some digging since yesterday and uh, Brad yes. Carlson, who's been a long time uh, supporter of us. He bought the Canada package for a hundred dollars. So thanks to him for that hat shirt combo and uh, the Nooner plate one with whatever else was with that, the Saski hat. Yeah. Scott. Krista Temple, $110. Nice. So I'm not sure if that's Scott or Krista. They seem to have a shared Facebook, but I want to talk about that later in the show. It's actually one of my take a seats. I don't want to ruin the surprise, but thank I you. Thought may- or I thought Perfect. maybe it was a law office. Scott, Krista Temple. Barsters and solicitors. Barsters and solicitors. From uh, Clovet, Saskatchewan. The, uh, my <laughs> Thanks next shout out. Yeah, that's a, that was a good one. We'll talk about that, like you said, later in the show. Ryan O'Hanley, down under. In Australia, listens to the Monday Nooner, one of our Australian listeners. He messaged us and uh, pissed his pants laughing at Kelly Taylor and Joey Tedarenko in 150. Get this one. This has got to be a first. He listens to our pods while his one son plays cricket. And he says the games are like five hours long. Oh, my God. (laughs) Just perfect. He puts it on, sits there, laughs his ass off. Five hours. I don't. I don't know if that. But that's what he said. It might have been oh. a bit of an exaggeration. But uh, oh. I, cricket games. I don't know. Our cricket uh, correspondent will have to chime in and let us know. I want to give some love. Uh, it could be in our senior segment, but I want to get it out in now before I forget. To the East Central Senior Hockey League in Alberta, we've got some listeners out there. Sent us a video from the Oyen Eagles game three OT win Friday night. They were down two zero in the series against uh, Sedgwick. They went in and won seven two to tie the series. Game two, unfortunately, was Tuesday night. I don't have the results from that as uh, this show comes out. But just kudos to the East Central uh, Senior Hockey League in Alberta. I know we don't give them a lot of love, but they still uh, give us love by listening to the show. So good work out there in East Central Alberta. All right, that was shoutouts for Synergy AG, your crop input retailer. Why don't we get into our uh, interview Kind of a sneaky guest here, uh, Barry. I know a guy you know, and a guy with a tremendous story. I know it's great to talk to the guys who play a thousand games in the NHL or whatever. But as we'll get in, into in the interview, this guy was a big ticket guy, sixth overall in the NHL uh, draft, and and yeah, interview for general procedures. No, no, no needle, no scalpel, vasectomies in Saskatoon and Regina. So yeah, like Brandon said, pretty cool story here. We're going to get into it with Scott Sissons. Joined by uh, one of the greats from the Saskatoon Blades back in the late 80s, early 90s, and a uh, sixth 
Overall pick in the 1990 NHL entry draft, Scott Sissons in Saskatoon. Sizzo, as they call him, how's it going up there? And thanks so much for hopping on the Nooner. Shink, it's uh, nice to be here. Uh, it's finally cold. Weather's kind of broken. We're finally going to see a little bit of nice weather. and uh, it's uh, Things are good up here. Right on. So uh, Brandon, is he's he's young, right? He's, he's on the interview here. He's young. So he you know, remembers of you and knows of you, but I'm, uh, I'm an old blades guy from way back. Like when I talked to some of the other guys, but as a Saskatoon guy, Scott, let's go back to, to where it all began. And and you were a flyer zone. Hmm. Um, was it before flyers? Like, what did you play? Like, cause there was a bunch of different teams back in the day, like your, your Adam and, and stuff like that. What were you? Yeah, we were the Cumberland North Stars to start with, and then we were the Predator Pirates um, <laughs> in what was, I don't think it was Adam, then it was Weepy. Um, we got right into Flyers from there on up, and it was before Citywide. So we were Flyers um, from from Weepy, Peewee, Bantam, and then we played three years of Bantam Shank because they changed the ages. So we, had, we were fortunate to get our asses handed to us for three straight years by the Raiders because they had the Barry Cummins and the Miro Passics and the Pryle brothers and that wagon was over on the west side so yeah we were as a flyer and then a contact and a blade so I don't know though how we you're saying you're getting beat up by the by the old Raiders and the maroon uh, Cooperalls or pants or whatever they were wearing back then but Everybody talks about the wagon that you guys had on the Flyers because it was like you and Stroosh and Seymour and wasn't like Purdy there. Like, wasn't there a collection of you guys? And I don't know how you guys lose a game. It was a peewee. That was, we we were, that was a loaded up team. It was, it was kind of that first year where they, you went from, from your area team, from ECU to, to zone team. Cause they were always Wildwood. We were ECU and you always kind of banged heads. That was the first year. And yeah, it was Dave, Dave Stroosh was Connor Bedard back then. <laughs> I mean, and, Again, he he was he was. You ask anybody around, um, he was fast. He was uh, he was just he was the whole package, um, and it was it was fun watching him. It was good for everybody to you know to gravitate to play it like he did. Um, but it was yeah, it was a good team. We ended up getting we lost in the provincial final to Mike Sillinger and Terry Hollinger and Frank Kovacs, and that's again talk about a team. Those that's again pretty good teams playing against each other in Peewee. Who who else do you remember? Like you know, in, in those days, maybe Pee Wee Bantam, that guys that were just lights out in in the city and the area and the province. Well, Donnie Pikel was always one of the guys in Saskatoon. He played for the Blazers and plays the Red Wing, and he flew um, down in Richmond. We run into in a little small town tournament. Kevin Riel, if you remember Kevin, he played in Medicine Hat. He was. You know, it wasn't real big, but he was dynamic. He was uh, kind of like a Brendan Gallagher type player. But, um, you know what? We, we, we get to see him all. We to Kimby Daniels when he was in Brandon playing for the Wheat Kings. Um, you know, there's it's funny when you look back and watch uh, how the guys gravitated. I mean, it wasn't, as, it wasn't the social media platform now where everybody knew everybody. So until you got to, you know, the tournament, it was you really didn't see him. You had the Nelson brothers up in PA. So you kind of knew him as you grew, but it was it was odd until you got there. You talk about uh, Stroosh being the Connor Bedard. Uh, from what I understand, you were pretty highly touted back then as well. Who do you? If he's Bedard, who are you? No, I wasn't even. You know what? It, it's it's as kids plateau and grow. I I wasn't coming out. I wasn't anything special. I was good. I was you know. But there again, we had Brian Purdy and we had 
uh, the Fanny brothers, uh, our, our cousins. Um, I'm trying to remember who else we had. It, again, we just had lots, lots of players. I got better as we got older. Um, I had a good year in midget. And then, ironically, we get, you know, the Blades plan, plan after this wasn't, wasn't a plan. I was going to go to try to go to school. I sent some letters out um, to some U.S. colleges. And they back then, it wasn't as prevalent. You didn't go down, down to the States. Had a little bit of interest, and I went to Blade Camp, and all of a sudden there was some interest from the Blades, and it was the Eager Host of the Memorial Cup. And I had, I kind of had already, I, after it was getting close and I had to make a decision for an exhibition game, I packed my stuff up and went home. Um, and then Marcel Como and Luby came over and talked to my folks, and we had a, a sit down and made a plan, and, and off we went. And that's, like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't even in the same realm as Dave Schirsch, Mike Sillinger, and the Terry Hollingers, and the Jamie Hewards back then. Um, no, just a, just a later developer. So, okay, let's back up here. So, you play bantam, and then you play midget. So, you play contacts. Am I correct? Yep, and you did you play one year, two years? And but but was Strusha blazer? Strusha was a blazer. Strusha played as a fourteen year old though. So he oh. played in his last year bantam. Um, so yeah, he and they were again the blaze the blazers were the better pro- program at that time. They had Jeff Freeze, um, Curtis Decision had just come through there. Dean Holine was there. Um, they, they they were the better program at the time. Um, but again, Birds and I played for the contacts. We had Jeff McMaster and Barry Cummins and Meryl Pasek and all those Raider guys. So it was, it was a fun year. Um, but I played one year at the contacts and then jumped up. So the Blades, so let's go back to that, how you kind of pack it up and you don't think uh, you're going to play there or whatever. Like how, how do they convince you or that, you know, you're coming in? And, and I didn't know that your first year was the Memorial Cup year. Yeah, they just again, and that was one of the, the, the selling points is that they were going to host the World Cup and get a chance to play in it. But like I said, I wasn't I wasn't renowned. I was you know I had a good camp and I'd scored a few goals and I'd grown up I'd grown a bit and like I said I'd had an, an offer from Maine to go out play out there. So it was kind of you know until you have to make you know shit or get off the pot, you got to you kind of keep all your options open. So it was right before the last or the first exhibition game. And those were the rules back then. Once you, you kind of played your first one, you're you're off your option list. And and uh, so I just packed up quietly and went home. And again, Luby's a friend of my dad's, so um, I got a. He came over. I mean, back then there's no there's no cell phones or anything, right? So you can sneak out and do anything. Nobody knows where you are. So um, it, they came over and they said, "It's this older factor is going to get a chance to play. Um, going to play the World Cup. Stay in town." You know, not to wait a couple of years to go to school and be out way out east, and it just it, it it all of a sudden started to make sense. So, and then with the opportunity, I got got fortunate. Killer had a suspension for I think the first fifteen games for for uh, <laughs> for attacking Mark Jansons, and and it gave me the opportunity to play with some guys that um, they gave me a chance to play. And and if, you know, door open, I walk kind of walk through it. How- like I heard a story that because back then there's no bantam draft, right? No. So when when did the blades list you? And and was it true? And I guess we could ask him if we ever get him on the pod. But was it true that the blades like listed Stroosh when he was like ten years old or try to list him? Oh, absolutely. Oh, where you go? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I remember that the blades had a bunch of different people, but Dwayne Fogerheim was the agent at the time, and and they again it was. Yeah, he was that good. It, it wouldn't have been surprised uh, that he that they listed him. But again, that was the listing day, so I think you had a fifty man list, and you could kind of go back and forth and move them in and out. And 
Um, I honestly don't know if I was listed until I got to camp the first year. I, I, I had been, there'd been conversation, but I hadn't been to a blade camp. I hadn't been to, I shouldn't say that. You know what? We went out. I remember that now. Um, went out when we were 13 or 14 to Martinsville and, and stayed out in the rink and went to camp. But it, it was, it was just different then. I mean, you, you just went and played. There wasn't a lot of communication. It was just, you go and play. It's just, it's so different than it is now. You watch these kids that come in and, and again, they've talked to their agents and they've gone through the trainers and they've, it's just, it's, it's light years different than it was then. It is now. When the 1989 Memorial cup final game is brought up, what kind of flashes back into your memory? What do you think of <laughs> when you think about that game? Uh, I mean, disappointed. I mean, it was fun to be in the, in the game, but it was the, the one thing that didn't, I didn't get on the ace in overtime. And that was the one shitty thing. It was, it happened in the first shift and, um, and uh, there was another line that started and, and the puck came down from our end. We had an attack on there and it comes back down and one of our D-men loses a stick. Tim Tisdale shoots it at the net and in she goes and that's it. Like it's it's such a long year. You, you go from all the hype and we had a couple um, journalists that were following the team around doing articles throughout the year. And then you have preseason for us that weren't expected to be there. You play your full season, you get on your first West Coast trip, you come back, you lose out relatively early. We had 30-some days between when we were done and when we – and we finished second in the league. Like we, were, we were a pretty good team, but we lost in the second round, I think, to Swift Current, and then you're waiting and waiting and waiting, and it's and it's a big deal back then. Like, we had 13,000 a night, you know, for those games, and it was – it's probably the most fun you have playing hockey um, when you get in those championships because it's – I mean, it's it's – it's the best of the best at that time. And it, that was like the first year, maybe the second year for SAS place, right? Like you talked about, like it was the blades were such a thing. Cause I talked to guys now and our kids have such exposure to go to NHL games and to go to this here, but back then, and then even before that, like it was such a big deal to, to go to a blades game and you had this brand new rink. Like it was a special time to be a part of that organization as well. So, Absolutely. And, and again, like they back then, the horseshoe wasn't filled in. So they bring in the stands and they put all the stuff up and you're getting all the swag. And again, it wasn't as prevalent back then. You, you, you know, we, we got you make the team, you get a, a Molson's jacket and a sweat pair, you know, sweatpants. Now these kids get, you know, hoodies and warm ups, this and backpacks and everything that goes along with it. It was, you know, you, you, it was pretty cool. And and again, you get some na- little national exposure. It's you're on TV. It was like I said, it was a pretty cool time to be playing junior hockey. I think it was after your second year you got drafted, but when did you start? You mentioned you weren't a prodigy. So when did you start getting on on that radar from maybe some teams? I guess just that first year. I was, again, like I said, I was fortunate to get some playing time early. I ended up, I had as a 17, I guess I had a late birthday 16 year old. So I played as a 17 year old. I think I had 30 goals and 50 some odd assists. So I had enough when I was a year early. So all of a sudden, I got a World Junior Camp invite that summer, and and I mean that gets the ball rolling. So all of a sudden, you you go from you know wondering if you're gonna where you're gonna play to, to having lunch. For, you know, I got flown down to L.A. and had supper with Rogie Vashon. You know, drove me up the coast and it took me to a Dodgers game and just some pretty heady stuff back then for uh, 17, 18 year old. When you when you look back at getting into the league that early. And, you know, it was different hockey and, and you know, Kaminsky's out there and uh, well, just, you know, the guys at PA had or everybody had basically like it was tough hockey. What do you remember about 
you know, maybe your first few games and as a Saskatoon kid playing and, and just how you were playing against men? Yeah, it, it's the, the biggest jump. I mean, that was something for junior hockey because it was year 17, 16 years old. And you're playing against 20 year olds, 19, 20 year olds. These guys are, I remember going to the first camp and seeing Kevin Chevel Day up there. And Chevy was a massive human at that point. And you're, and you're, you're looking at him and then you see Jeff Rogers and Cam Brown and you're going, hmm. <laughs> I, I gonna get three balls in a rocket and go try something else, but it, it just he didn't have the same level of concern. Maybe it was just naivety, but you just kind of you know, you went out and played. The tough guys kind of stayed with the tough guys, and you, you just kind of you respected them. You didn't get in your way, and 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 you just you played the game a little more honestly. And that's why the game's always been so cool. Is it was pretty self regulating for, for the for the generality. You know, there's not a lot of idiocy in it for the most part, which is surprising for a bunch of guys playing hockey. Who who are the who was the guy in junior that you played against? Maybe that first year, first couple of years, that you know was that was something special and and would make you know your jaw drop a bit playing against or with. Well, I, I Mike Madonna was up in PA, Chink, and that was, I mean, I. It, Fortunate or unfortunate, part of that first the task that first year, Marcel, I got everybody that was something. So um, I got to play. And I, back then, you played PA like twelve times. So it was, it was the mic. And there, and there's days he made you look just absolutely stupid. He'd walk around you, but it got to the point, and I think it pissed them off that he was. I, I got him one on one on one. I just fall down. I mean, jump on the puck, and then then he couldn't get around me, make me look stupid. So uh, you know, it was a lot of fun to compete. He he's an unreal talent, and he's faster than everybody. Um, but you, you kind of try to think your way around out there. And I mean, those, those kind of come to like West walls in, in Lethbridge too. Uh, again, silly in Regina. Um, then you get down the, the wagon that was in swift current. I mean, you always had a matchup that was, you know, if you weren't on your game, you were going to get embarrassed. And that was, I guess, part of the, part of the fun that first year is playing pretty much scared shitless for 70 games. Cause if you didn't play well, Mars was going to you know put you on the bench. So you mentioned him earlier and uh, probably a guy I would like to get on later just because he was such a fastball stud and a hockey stud. And for me as a Sasta, like I, I felt like he played for the blades for 10 years, Dean Holine. Um, but I, I, I remember somebody telling me a story about a party at Dean Holines when you're young and you end up with a broken nose of some sort. Uh, that's yeah, that's, that was almost the end of my hockey career to be quite <laughs> honest. <Shank. laughs> it was a rookie party. And uh, that's funny. You knew about that. Um, yeah, again, city kid, not hadn't drank a lot, and you get into a rookie party and stuff that doesn't go on these days, but probably had too many of whatever I was supposed to have and got tumbling downstairs, and I ended up waking up on a couple of goalie pads in the garage and uh, had the wherewithal to call home, and I'm like, listen, I'm gonna, I'm not going to make your home tonight. I'm going to I'm gonna have a rest here with the guys, and I'll be home in the morning Well. I wake up in the morning and I look in the mirror and my nose is over under my eye and it actually wasn't that bad, but it was had a couple of shining eyes and get home and my mom loses it. She's up and down. That's the end of it. You're done. So it, it wasn't going to play in Maine. It was that I wasn't playing ever again. So once he got Donna off the ledge, um, went back to practice and for, I don't know why I can remember this. But we skated at ACP that night. I think someone's going out the rank and I walk in and I got, uh, I got a full shield on because the trainer, Jeff Thomas, had, had got it hooked up because the guys had told him. And Marcel walks over and goes, what happened? And I go, I just got to hit a door and kind of fall, you know, fell down and got my nose knocked over. But 
it was yeah, it was between my mom and, and the coach. It was uh, it was pretty quick getting it through. But yeah, it was a tough night. You gotta watch out for those. You gotta watch out for those doors. They're sneaky. You know what? I just wasn't paying attention. It happens that way sometimes. So, like I said, sometimes. it was. It was. It was. It could have been. It could have been a lot worse. You got let off. Got to keep your head on a swivel. So some of those parties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, you start growing up in a hurry. When I when I look when I look at that, I forget what year it was Blades roster on Hockey DB. The one thing that jumps out at me, and I don't know how I even found this, that Jason Knight. He plays like, I don't even know if that name, if you remember this mm-hmm. name, Sizzle, but Jason Knight plays and he's a forward. And you look at all of his other, you know, hockey DB, he's a forward and and he plays a game of goal with the <laughs> Saskatoon Blades. Do you, and, and he's got an 11 goals against average in one game as a tender for the Blades. That doesn't bring up an injury of some sort where you had to put in your player. No, I, I don't remember that. I know we had, I mean, there was a cycle of goaltenders that went through there. We had guys getting hurt and, and they were kind of searching for somebody after Chevy kind of was a late call up to Detroit. I think they were kind of left searching for straws. So I, I don't, I don't remember that, but again, I, there's lots of things I don't remember. Maybe the hockey DB guy had one too many while he was inputting the stats or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I, 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 I think he, wasn't he a defenseman though? I don't know, I but he his, and and I I ran it by somebody else, and they said I think it's because there was a bunch of injuries, and he had to go in and play goal one game. Wh don't you know no Mooner no. So again, I once we're done, I'll I'll uh, I'll find out that that guy knows absolutely everything and can remember it all. So if if that did happen, he'll know. Any oh, sorry, Brano. No, any crazy ahead. road trips that you remember? You know, uh, in your dub days, a lot of times on the bus or anything sketchy, and you know the good times on there. Yeah, there. I mean, your first first Western trip, you're excited because that's you don't know any better, and you're not on buses. And it's funny the evolution of it from from buses. They became fun to you couldn't stand it. The same thing with airplanes. It was like, all right, I get to fly. I'm going to fly to my game, and you're like, oh god, I'm flying. We're on an airplane again. So it's it just the it was a lot of fun going out, but there was a lot of laughing. I know the first bus trip that we made out west. There's a lot of guys in the back. That we're having some brownies and have been doing a lot of laughing on that trip, and we were trying to figure out why. It only it didn't take for a little bit longer to figure out why they were having so much fun back there. But again, <laughs> as you get older and you and you play, you got to move back to the bus. But we were in the first three or four rows that first year, so we didn't. Just like, uh, we weren't anywhere near anything. Just like the other two guys I do the podcast with. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say I want to touch on the nineteen ninety nine draft. Obviously, we alluded to it off the top. You go sixth overall. A stack draft, like number one, Owen Nolan, two, Nedved, three, Keith Primo, Mike Ricci, four, Yager, fifth, year sixth, uh, before Sidor, Hatcher, Slaney, Berhowski, Kid, like a pretty stacked top 10 there. Um, I guess, first thing, were you kind of drafted where you expected? You mentioned LA flew you down there. They picked seventh. So uh, is that kind of where you expected to go? Like, I know they didn't have the pre draft ranking shows like they do now, but what did you know before the draft? Yeah, I, I knew I knew that it was going to be somewhere in there. I talked to, I hadn't talked to the guys in front. I ended up, I ended up doing a fair bit of time with the Rangers, um, Minnesota as well. Um, I got flown down to LA, which was which was interesting. And then the days before, the couple of days before the draft in Vancouver, you kind of it was a horse and pony show where you, you met with Chicago. You met with, I mean, I met, I'm trying to remember, and that's a long time ago now, thirty almost thirty five years. Um, and it was, yeah, it was going to be somewhere in around there. LA had said they were interested. And I guess I knew, I, 
if there's the most naive kid in the world at that draft, you're looking at him because it was like, and petrified because the first guys are talking out there and I'm like, I said, the last thing I want to do is get up on here and try and talk. So it was nice of them to, at that point at six, they, they took the mics away and it was just here. And then you go to the media and then you go and it was, yeah, it was, it wasn't as, as stressful as I was making it out to be, but they announced the name. And I, to be quite frank, I can't remember much that I've, I've got it on video and I've shown my nephews. They, they like to watch it every now and again and laugh at my hair and my funny suit and how my hat looked, but it was, <laughs> it was a, it was a pretty, pretty cool experience uh, to go through. And it was out in Vancouver, which was nice because my dad doesn't fly and he got, the, we drove out there and had a cousin out there that's a golf pro. So it was just, it was nice to be out and um, easy place for us to get to. Yeah, man, your hat in that draft. All you guys, right? <laughs> oh, man, you could put you could put a few twelve inch subs under that. I remember you used to call me cool. the lunch under that. Um, I, I want to go back and we can get back into the draft in a bit here. But the Memorial or the um, sorry, the World World Juniors and and we had when we had Sillinger on a long time ago. You know, he said that Scott Sisson should have been on that team. It's in Saskatoon. It was a huge deal, um, and I know this is probably a little bit of a sore spot for you but going back to that year and and you know you went to the camps and and were you the last cut scott i can't remember yeah i think i think i was the last cut up front and adam foot was actually adam and i drove back in the van together that morning so if, if you know a bit about world junior stuff they do they do everything at like five in the morning so they get you, they do all the executions in the morning so you're gone before there's a problem not that there's a problem but just even either for the you know embarrassing you or, or again just getting you out of the way before there's a problem so i'm in a i was rooming with brent thompson and phone call comes through and it's like oh shit uh is brent there I'm like oh tommy <laughs> here's, the, here's the phone um and then five minutes later phone rings again and it's like oh for yeah, and and so you go down and, and you go and you pack up. But yeah, I think I think Adam and I were the last two. I think there was just he and I on the coming in on the in the van together. So um, yeah, I mean you know what it was it was difficult at the time. Um, Terry Simpson was going to be the coach prior, and then he got an NHL job in Philly, and Dick Todd came in and, and took over. And, and again, as a coach, you kind of gravitate to the guys that you know. Um, it, it, yeah, in Saskatoon and here and again where I kind of got drafted and how I played it I had hoped I'd, I mean I led the camp in scoring in the summertime and it had a decent I'd been hurt a bit at the start of the year had hurt my wrist but um I'd been back playing and was moving around okay so it just it was it's the way it goes Chink. you know what sometimes uh it, it doesn't fall in your favor and you, you got to keep bouncing so it was, it was, it, was it, it was shitty <laughs> did you watch any of it did you ignore it did you tune in did you go to any um, of it no, I didn't go to it. Actually, I, I got a buddy of mine, Rob Lollisher, was in Edmonton, and I and I took off, went to Edmonton for three or four days with Lolly over the Christmas break, and then came back. And I didn't go. I think I I, I watched some of it. I, I know I watched the final game. I mean, there's some guys that you knew on there, and you're cheering for them. I mean, because it's it's still guys that you know, like uh, like Silly was a good buddy of mine. He is a good friend of mine. Um, and the guys you got to meet, the Mike Craigs and the Lindrosses and the Chris Drapers and Kidder, like those. Those are guys that you, you'd, you'd spent some time with and, and you played some games with. And it was still, you know, as much as you're not part of that team, you still were part of the guys that were there and proud of them. So um, you're still, yeah, it was no animosity towards the group at all. In in all honesty, because I'm pretty young, but I remember it. In all honesty, though, 
and how you said your summer camp went and everything, were you absolutely shocked that, that you got cut there? You can be honest. Uh, you don't know. I think, you know, I, 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 I was disappointed, shocked. Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah, you want, know you're embarrassed. You're, you're pretty raw because again, it was Saskatoon and it was, I, I thought I'd done enough at the, that point to garner, but like I said, the, you know, you're playing against two levels of hockey, you're eight, you're 18 to 19s. And I was a 19 that year, but there's still another good group. And even now when you got the McDavid's and the Crosby's that come in at, at 16, 17, it's, you're talking about the top 12 forwards in Canada over two or three birth years. I mean, it's the filter is extremely high and, and, uh, and, you know, I think, I think Jeff Sanderson was cut at that camp too. I think Sandy played the next year, but I think he was released. I mean, there's some good hockey players that didn't play there. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, it's, you, you want to be there and you want to play there. And again, it, it was, it was disappointing. Dick Todd, like you said, I didn't know about the Simpson thing, but, uh, you know, Dick Todd, was he, was he cold to you? Like, did he give you any indication that, you know, or, and didn't, did somebody, yeah. did somebody kind of take that role that you probably could have filled on that team as a goal scorer uh, I, I could have played any role on that group and there's a couple guys that were guys name and again for what it's worth the guy's name was Dale Craigwell yeah um played for the Oshawa Generals good hockey player playing San Jose um and I guess you said if you have an affinity for a guy you want in a role um and maybe they have that form um I played on a line with Lindros though and Mike Craig and Swift Current and scored um and it was just it seemed it seemed like it it should have had a possibility and then it uh took a left turn at albuquerque so like i said it's spilt milk but it's it's uh like i said it's, it was a good experience meeting those guys i got to see them again later in life when we bounced around through the national team and through some some of the nhl time but it was it was uh it was an it was a fun time to be a hockey player so Brandon, uh, Brandon talked about the draft, right? And then you, uh, you know, six overall, pretty, uh, pretty big shoes to fill as you go into going to the Islander. What do you remember about going to your first camp? I remember thinking how unfair it was. <laughs> These college guys all walk in; they're twenty three and twenty four years old, and I'm eighteen years old, like I'm one hundred and eighty five pounds soaking wet, and these guys are they're huge. Um, and it just it was it it was a real eye opener to the fact that. That, and not the business side, but the fact that this is this treadmill is going real quick here, and you had to think your way through it. Um, you know, you didn't have the same mechanisms in place, Barney, that you, that you have now in terms of the training and otherwise. Like we went to, we had a hockey tournament the first three days at training camp with the Islanders. Like we didn't, we didn't do a test, we didn't do nothing. We went and played. It was the Al Arbor Cup, and we played three or four games. And like I said, it was you were at the rink for your standard three hours that the players association allows you to be there and then you're gone like i was i would have stayed at the rink for 10 hours i mean this you're you're in the nhl this is all i want to do and they're like three hours you gotta leave like you kidding me so it was uh it was interesting what do you remember about uh l arbor you did play a few games there on the island with those camps yeah. what sticks out about uh l arbor just i mean you you go from i mean and, and maybe kids don't do it as much now as you do but you watch hockey night in canada and the, and the islanders i was a big Oilers fan back then so when the Oilers finally beat the islanders after they were they were as good as they were um you, you watch him he's like he's like he's not jesus or god but he's next next to him because he's it's like scotty bowman this is like hockey royalty so and he was a funny story over the summer he called me one morning and i was like 
was in, he's from New York and he's two hours ahead. And I'm in, it's like seven 30. My mom walks up to the phone. It's Al, I run the phone. And he's trying, and I, I, I was pretty sure I shit my pants right there in bed. Cause he's talking about how I can play there next year and this, that, and the other. And I, I, I get, I remember getting off the phone. And I was, I was almost shaking that I was petrified. I'm like, my mom, what are you doing? Like, you got to tell him in the shower or something, but you don't walk up here and give me the phone. But he was, you know, he was, he was really good though. He was very, uh, you know, his expectations were, were cool. He, he was used to dealing with older guys and he, and he treated you like that. He expected you to do your job. He expected you to know where you're going. Um, he was, he was Frank. He was, uh, he was a lot like Marcel Como in terms of they knew the game. They knew, they knew how to play it the right way. They knew the way they wanted you to play it. And that they were pretty straightforward and black and white and how they wanted it done. So that last year you play of junior, you play one game up with the Islanders. Was that at, at the end of the junior season or when did you get that first game? Yeah, it was the end of the season. Uh, we were done. We had lost out in Lethbridge and I got to go out the last couple of weeks. It was against Boston. Um, at home and again as it worked out we played in a plane against I played with uh, David Wallach and Pat Flatley and we played against Janny Neely and Randy Burge all night and Cam Neely is a monster I remember looking at him going like you you got to know where guys like him are because he's going to kill you so um, and it was fun you know what I, I got through the game it was I was uh, I was even which I was definitely concerned about being dashed two or three so it was it was a pretty good first experience. Won my face off, so I was pretty pretty responsible. And I actually think I might even have a shot on that. So, you know, was, as an 18, 18 and nineteen year old, it's a pretty good first experience. I was just going to ask you that. You played two regular season games and one playoff game with the Islanders. Is there any moments where you're like, "Oh, I could have scored there, or I had a good chance"? Was there ever like the, you know, puck in the slot where you had a chance to score that one in the show? I did, and it was in Montreal. Um, and again, that's just the year that Dale Hunter hits Pierre Turgeon in the corner late. And we were black aces after the season was done. So um, I remember the game it was an afternoon game in Montreal. And I was playing with, uh, I was playing with Mick Dakota and Kenny Baumgartner. I was the safest human being on the ice that day because nothing was going to happen to me. But uh, just the way the puck got dumped in, turned over, I had a decent shot from the top of the slot. And uh, again, Patrick was in that. And I got a good shot away. I mean, chances of beating them from there aren't, aren't great. But it was, like I said, we, our, we weren't we weren't trying to score as a group. We were trying to make sure we didn't get scored on and kept the puck in front. So um, we weren't really looking that way. So Brandon talked about that that year you get called up after that's 90-91. Blades are out. You get called up to the, to the Islanders. You play your first game. But then 91-92... You uh, give the Canadian national team a shot with uh, our friend Dave King. What what happened there, and what was the thought process there, Sizzo? Well, it was just it was an it was an interesting opportunity to to, to play. Um, I hadn't signed yet, so when I went up to New York, I, I played on an amateur tryout. And um, again, the wise and wherefores, I I don't remember to be honest with you. Um, and yet it was I King. I mean, Herb Pinder was my agent. Um, Herbis and Dave are good friends and there was some communication that, that, you know, if I should give it a look, uh, back then there were, there weren't as many pros playing. So they were looking for the, you know, the, the better amateurs kind of in the middle. I was going to be a 20 year old and I hadn't signed. So there was a unique opportunity where you had some, some, some older pros that were there. Um, I mean, Randy Smith was there. So you watch as a blade from, you know, super talented offensive player, um, and then Kurt Giles was there, who was a, a longtime player. Sean Burke was, I think, on a on a contract holdout or something there. Eric Lindros came on board. Joe Juno came in from 
from RPI. Jason Woolley came up from Michigan State. So all of a sudden, you, you got a pretty good group of hockey players together. So it was – I'd gone to the summer camp and, and had a good camp. And um, the, Todd Roast and Kent Vanderbilt and I had had a pretty good line. So David talked to Herbis about – about playing for the year and then and then heading over to the to the island after the Olympics were done, and that seemed to be a pretty good idea. I was up for the experience and and again playing for Dave King was something I, I was looking forward to doing. Some looking forward to learning um, the different systems and game from Dave. I, I mean, as a as a Saskatoon kid watching him with the Huskies and, and watching him with the national team, it was something that um, I thought was going to be be helpful for me in terms of be a, being a professional hockey player. I've actually talked about this team a few times with Dave King when we had Trevor King on or Trevor Kidd, uh, Smith and Schlegel as well. Like I'm just going through it and I've mentioned this on the show, but there's almost 60 guys that put that jersey on that year. Do you remember in your 20 some games, a lot of guys coming in and out and kind of the stress yep. of, of that? Yeah. And you're young and stupid. So you really don't, you know, you're, you're just watching the guys come through. I mean, Ray Whitney came in and, and was, and, played his two or three games and left and went turned into obviously an absolute star in the NHL. And it just, it's, it was timing and, and opportunity for most of the guys. And there were some guys that Dave was warm to no different than Dick Todd with the, with his world junior team. There's guys that he, he liked and liked the way they played. So I mean, Schlegs was with them for I think two or three years. I mean, and, and he, he, again, some just absolute beauties um, that were there. Uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun playing there. It was a lot of fun learning how to play big ice hockey. Um, but yeah, it's it's there. You're on a tryout right up until I mean, you played the NHL exhibition games. You were on a tryout right up until two weeks before the Olympics, and they still didn't have everybody in place. I was just gonna say, how close were you? Like when when did you? I got it. <laughs> I got were you the last it. cut again? No, uh, we're playing Montreal. John Leclerc hit hit me from behind, wrapped up my shoulder, last minute minute of the game. Started a little bit of a brouhaha. It was our last game of the series, too. I'd had a good game in, in, in Quebec. I think I, I, I got a goal and assist against Nordiques, and that was fun because Curtis' decision was planned. I mean, these NHL guys wanted nothing to do playing with us either because we're working our cans off trying to make a team. And they're playing, <laughs> a, they're playing an exhibition game against a bunch of, you know, Tommy Tryhards out there that are trying to play. And they, 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 had no up, they had no upside for these guys, right? So we're running around trying to be impressive. And, so again, and it was at the end of the game, and he just uh, he just smoked me. I ripped up my labrum, and I was that was like four weeks before the Olympics. So I was on a plane to New York and had surgery. Um, I remember watching Game One from the hotel lobby in New York with my old shoulder in the sling. Oh, um, so yeah, shitty shitty timing. <laughs> just bad <laughs> luck, eh? For with the with the Maple yeah. Leaf again. So then, um, so then the next year uh, looks like you, you know, you play most of it in the in the AHL with uh, with the Islanders farm team. Like, did you finally sign at this point? Did they did they offer you a contract and you signed somewhere yeah. along that line there? Right then, uh, right right then, because I remember signing just before Chris, right right before the new year, um, signed and then went there for surgery. Got fixed up and actually, again, I stayed out there for, for rehab and lived with Wayne McBean and Robbie DeMaio, which was, again, nice nice of them to bring me in. Again, young kid. I mean, Roz Roth living in New York City for six months right now. And so it was a bit of an eye opener. And then um, I, I about a year a year before, I'd had a couple of things, issues with my back and ended up having my first disectomy that summer in New York as well. So I, the injury bug kind of jumped in and, and took hold. So I had that done, but I made it back for training camp, played that year in, 
in Capital District, but again, had another shoulder issue. That's why I think I played 40, 43 games, games, 44 right? points. So we, Butch Goring was our coach there. And we had, we had a pretty good young group, Ian Fraser uh, from Oshawa, Brent Grieve, trying to think of guys that played three. Daniel Lorenz, Jamie McLennan. I was going to say, uh, yeah. Noodles, Noodles was our goaltender. Um, and he was there in and around for, for a few years as we all migrated through Capital District down to Denver to up to up to Salt Lake. So um, Shovel day off, Kevin? Yeah, Chevy was there. Um, I'm just, geez, I'm trying to remember. We, we ended up having quite a few, like Sean LeBron was there. Um, Travis Green. Lyndon, well, that's the funny thing. So first, we, we all start down there, Greeny, we're living together. And Ray Ferrero breaks his leg. We're playing in Hamilton. And Greeny's had a good year the year before, but he's got a bit of a slow start. I think I had 12 points in 12 games. We're in Hamilton playing, uh, I think that's Toronto's farm team at the time. Uh, Ray breaks his leg in, in playing the Rangers. I get, again, run from behind, shoulders out, and Greeny goes up and never comes back. And it's, and it's again, he, and Travis Green is a, is a good hockey player, and he figured his way out. Like he, I don't, he, you know, he got 190 points, I think, a year at the Western League, and, and he figured out how to play as a, as a third, second, third, fourth line guy and a face-off absolute savant for 12, 13, 14 years. You can probably speak to this, but as – Everybody knows, you probably know better than most, hockey and, like, there's so many good players in the minors and junior, and, and how much of it do you think is about timing and breaks, like getting a break at the right time? Well, it's, again, without sounding defeated, but it's, if, again, I'd rather be lucky than good because it's, it is. If you hit hit your spot and timing, and I, I got mine playing with the blades, and, I, and I, the fact that I got the opportunity because I walked through that window – you just you need to have a bunch of windows lined up, and it's it's not always that simple because it's. I mean, the year that, that I was drafted, Chris Taylor was the second round pick. You know, every year there's a fresh crop of guys coming in to take the job that you want in front of you, and that's. I mean, you get to you get to to uh, Denver and you had Zygmunt Palfy there with Derek Armstrong, and you get to uh, who else were their draft picks? Like it's just it's 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 never ending. So you either got to get in it or you're. Or you get, or you get lopped, and if you get hurt and you miss time to play, I mean that's you just you miss your window. Um, after I was done in New York, I signed a contract in Dallas to go out and play, and that was the second time I'd had my back fixed. And the doctor just looked at me. I was 22 years old, and he goes, "He goes, son, you got to find something else to do." And I'm like, "Pardon? I felt pretty good, you know. I my, I was pretty flexible, I was in pretty good shape." And he goes, "The next surgery you're gonna have, we're gonna put two rods down either side of your spine." And I'm like. Nope, that's not happening. So I went back, got a second opinion, and they kind of corroborated it, and that was it. But to your point, like it's there's a lot of good players, I and mean, you, you can generally interchange that the top line in the American League for the bottom line in the NHL on those thirty teams. I, I want to let's go back to when you when you finally signed with the Islanders. A, what was your signing bonus, and you know what kind of crazy did you head to Dale Tingley Motors and buy a new ride, and then take your dad to Nevada Bob's, or what did you do? Uh, I, you know what, I, I got a $275,000 signing bonus in US dollars, which was nice. back then it was, was, was pretty darn good. Went a long um, way no, at Seafood Sands. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I didn't do a hell of a lot with it. Um, I'm trying to remember now I bought it. I was, I bought a, I bought a truck, a Ford Explorer out in New York. Um, 
Yeah, no, pretty pretty tight ass back then, Shank. We were living off of off of per diems and and free hotel rooms, so we were still. I mean, we were back playing junior. I remember we were making fifty five bucks every two weeks, and we thought we were flush. Like we was like, this is huge, coming out of playing playing midget fifty five every two weeks. And I lived at home, and my folks were nice enough to give me the two hundred dollars a month as a billet fee. And now <laughs> I was really, I was really rolling in it. Nice. So, so yeah. You signed, you said, after the Canada experience, I believe. And the Canada experience, yep. I imagine you weren't rolling in uh, flush with cash playing for the national team at that point. No, but again, you go from making nothing. I think we were, I think we got, I think we got two grand a month tax free, which again was, was massive. I lived with a, a great family in Calgary named, uh, with the McCreets. So Andy or Scott and Grit McCreets, Grit's, Grit's actually the chancellor of the University of Saskatchewan. And they were friends of my mom from, from, back when I went to school. So um, they were great enough to have me in for the six or six months that we were in Calgary. And again, my first experience away from home and starting to grow up. So yeah, it was, again, I, I, I was really fortunate that way. Back, back to the Canada team thing. Isn't there a story yep. about you sleeping in at some point in that experience? <laughs> we, yeah, it was. Thanks, Shank. Um, Kent Mandeville and I, two of the youngest guys on the team and, and nothing, we weren't out doing anything, but we, missed a wake-up call set our alarms and again back to no cell phones nothing so we wake up i think the bus was leaving at seven we're flying i think back to calgary from vancouver and all of a sudden we look up and we're, we're panicked we're flying and we get downstairs there's no bus there and king like i said if you're, you're at seven o'clock if you're not on it you're under it so we're trying to figure out where you're going we knew the plane didn't leave until nine so we, we found a way to got a cab and got all our shit into a into a cabin to the airport, but it's there's there's a couple things in life you don't want to do, and pissing Dave King off by being late or sleeping in is 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 definitely not one of them. So we 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 didn't miss any wake up calls or sleep ins after that. But yeah, two young guys who were scared shitless. What was it like playing for him? Obviously, a former former guest, a bit of a drill sergeant. Like, was he pretty? Have the guys on pins and needles kind of thing at all times. Uh, you know, he, he, again, he was honest. Like he, 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 he knew how we wanted things, but you just, those are the easiest guys to play for. Cause you just have to do what they want. I mean, it's, he, he wasn't, a, he wasn't a, a he, he wasn't a screamer. He wasn't coming in and yelling at you for no reason and trying to, to mind game you. He was honest and it was, you know what, you, you got to do this and this is what we need. And this is what we play. He was, he was very intense. I mean, I, Kinger went on a streak for a days running, and I remember watching it. Like we we bus from we flew from San Francisco to Toronto to somewhere in Europe, and then we took a school bus from there to Prague. And he got up and put his running shoes on and went out for and went out for a run. I mean, but that's the detail that he lived with. So in his life, and he made everybody else kind of gravitate to being able to. That's what he wanted, and and that's I mean, some older guys maybe had a different way to do things played under him, but for us young guys, it was. I mean, it was just how high do we jump, sir, and which way do we turn? I, I think there was a story too when when you're younger and you're with the uh, the Islanders, you almost got into a couple of pretty big playoff games, didn't you? When you got called up, I, the, that was the Montreal series that we we ended up playing, and it was, I mean, yeah, we were close to playing in, in all of them, and it was, I mean, I, I took the I took warm up in Pittsburgh for Game Seven. That's the story. Um, yeah, and it was. It's funny because I'm taking warm up and I'm 50 50 to play. And there's people out like they're, it, they're heckling like you, I, they shouldn't even know who I am. And they, they're up and down like a red squirrel. It's, and I'm actually starting to laugh now because they're just taking turns and it's real easy because you're just sitting there staring at everybody. But that's, I mean, that's the game that, and that's, I, 
we get up in the stands, that's a game that Richie Pelon hits Kevin Stevens. And you see it up, up, up close and personal. And that was, but again, just the experience to see like, that win in, in Pittsburgh was, I mean, monumental. And the run that those guys had at that time, David Volk was like the overtime hero and you know, Benny Hogan, Stevie Thomas. And, and it just, it's, it's what happens in playoffs where guys, you, it, it, everybody there is good. Like, the, you know, it's not like you got a bad line here, you got a bad group here. It's not like Bantam hockey where you, those guys can't play. Everybody's been the best player on their team at some point. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, you get slotted and you play your roles that you need to play, but you watch them celebrate and the, and the absolute joy that they were feeling for, for doing and, be, and being successful and watching them. It was just, like I said, it's one of those pretty inspiring, awe-inspiring moments to be around. So it was pretty cool. One of our future guests here, Ray Ferrero, on that team. Let's, let's talk about him quickly. And and when you, as a as a hockey analyst, um, the guy sounds like he should have co- He should have been a coach. Maybe he still will be. I don't know. But when you were around him that much back then, was he kind of that guy in the dressing room that was like a, a leader, but like a second coach and and just a straight leader? Or what kind of guy was he? Uh, Ray was outstanding. Like again, you look at his his, his career and his goal scoring. There's, there's his mustache. Few- outstanding yep there's very few he, he coined it he actually he came up with the line that i still laugh about it said seen better arms on a chair and legs on a chicken because he talked to talk to one of the guys and it was just ray was ray was intense like he was undersized for playing right and he wasn't big but he just he had a heart the size of a lion and he he just loved to score like there's guys that like to score and there's guys that like to be offensive but ray loved to score he, it was like the only thing he liked there's there's very few people with that high a trait and it, it transcended from junior to pro, and he just didn't. When he was there at the rink, he was working, and he didn't. If you're if you're screwing around, he was keeping you in line. Um, he expected everything that you had to, to the same extent that he was putting out. And it was it was again a cool. He and Brent Sutter and Pat Lafontaine were were real good centers to to be able to sit there and watch and go. I remember my first training camp. Patty Lafontaine walks me off a face off and sends it over to the winger, and Brent Sutter comes after me up. After the face-off, he goes, don't worry, kid, it happens to all of us at some point. So it was just – it was an absolute, like, red flag. You're the absolute rube of the whole group here. But he was a pretty good hockey player, so it's a good lesson to learn. You, we, we usually talk – touch on this earlier in, in an interview, but let's touch on your parents a bit. And I've been I've been fortunate enough to get absolute waxed by your dad on a golf course. It was actually you and your dad – in the teams, uh, an amazing, uh, amazing golfer in the province for years. But you know, what were your parents like growing up, Scott? For you and your brother, let's let's talk about you know how your brother uh, Jeff was a, an exceptional hockey player as well. Totally lit up AAA midget. He's a year older than me. I remember that. Then he you know played NCAA. But you know, what were the parents like uh, growing up, Scott? They were again, m- mom and dad were were pretty positive. Um, they weren't they weren't overbearing. Um, dad, I think because he'd been been such a good and competitive golfer um knew yeah and had a, a bearing with sports my mom was a played basketball too was a track athlete so she had a understanding for it but mom was always i mean taking care of us and dad was 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 always coaching it was they were awesome and supportive um dad was again dad was was that kind of coach like the al arbors and the dave kings i just got a smaller version of it where you you certainly knew um there was no favoritism because he'd sit my ass as soon as he could. And he, but he was, he was a good coach. You got to learn from him. I think be, being a high level athlete, um, the expectation and understanding in any sport. And I mean, dad played some hockey, he played for the Huskies. So he had a, a little bit of 
hockey knowledge, but he was he was a decent coach. So it was it was again I couldn't ask for any more. My parents were fantastic for me. What's the uh, what's the best round of golf you've ever seen him play when you've been with him? I caddied for him. He was playing. I don't know how old he would have been. So I got to be fifteen ish, fourteen ish. He the old city course, Barney. He was seven under through six with an ace on old seven. <laughs> and 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 it was it was just he was playing with Arden Knoll and Ronnie Stewart and it was just what a, what a, I mean, what a three banger wow it was it was pretty cool and I mean I got fortunate Dad and Timmy Tate also played I think he ended up shooting 64, 63 that day he he and Timmy Tate used to play in that team championship out of Riverside back when the pros were playing so they had epic battles with Kent Adams and Mike Vinnick and. And it was just, again, the, the things you got to be around, you got to learn. It was, it's like a, a precursor to the things you, you hopefully get to experience and put yourself in situations. So, um, yeah, I mean, being around dad and, and watching him compete, even as he got older, you know, the senior groups and, and he went out and like my dad, like talk about Ray loving to, to score. I think my dad loves to play golf. Like he drives four hours, he'll stop and play golf with any Tom, Dick and Harry that's there. Let's go tee it up and go play. I, I like to play with buddies of mine and enjoy a beer or two and go out and play. But my dad loves to play golf. Like he still plays 82 and he's still playing three times a week. And I think if mom would let him, he'd play five. So <laughs> it just, that's again, the trade of those guys that are pretty good at things. They're, they're pretty focused on, on what they like to do. Uh, how we kind of wrap them up here. Some, some kind of quick, uh, quick questions at the end, a little bit of rapid fire. Yeah. Here. There won't be a ton, but uh, I'm going to take you back, uh, Back to Saskatoon. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Your favorite barn as a kid, Saskatoon, growing up, playing in. Oh, Kinsman Arena. Oh, West Side Square Corners. Square, square Corners and Kinsman Arena. Uh, what did you, what what you remember? I, was, I thought maybe you go with the Wheatland. Oh, I know that the boards were too high. You couldn't jump them. <laughs> Kinsman was dynamite. You could fly over those things. <laughs> Favorite road barn city after minor hockey, whether it's junior or pro or national team, what's the one favorite oh, place to play? Well, let's let, let's do them in, in, in separately. PA in, in junior, just because it was always a war. Those were great barns to play in, and it was a battle. Um, I, I didn't get a, enough games, but I got we were one of the first teams into San Jose, and I I I, I could score both games. I got to play in San Jose. I think one was an exhibition, both one was an exhibition game, both were exhibition games, but it just felt like being at home. Um, and then we, when the, I got to play with the Islanders in New York in Madison Square Garden, a couple of exhibition games, and it was just like you walking in at four o'clock in the afternoon, and the zoo's walking out, like they're walking elephants out, and they by seven o'clock the ice is in, and everything's ready to go. So there's there's nothing nothing better than playing in Madison Square Garden. Your favorite teammates of all time? Oh boy, you know what? I, I've been fortunate to have a bunch. Cam Moon. You tell you what, you make you laugh every time you look at him. So every time I talk to Mooner or text with him, it's always a big smile. So he's going to be up at the top of the list. Strucci's right there too. Is that like the that's that's not the Cam Moon that does the play by play, is it? That, the one and guy? only. Yeah, I no, didn't know there was. I didn't know he played even. He's a goaltender. Yeah. Funny guy on the bus, I hear. Outstanding. He you, he could recite everything. We get in a slop shot or caddy shot. Any of the or. Uh, Bull Durham, any of the actual like he, he just it was everything. I believe he he could do the, the the Crash Davis speech like with his eyes closed or the French goaltender icing up in like Mooner was absolutely his hysterics when he was on the bus. So, there's any moment in your career you could go back to and change. What would it be? That's kind of a loaded oh. question, but 
You know what? I can I remember this going into the corner with Jason Prasovsky. Um, I can remember that's the first time my back went out. Um, I think if I dodge that and my back stays a little healthier, I, I might be a little a little better position to keep playing. But um, there's a lot of things you you'd like to change. It just doesn't. It's not the world we live in. Favorite coach, Marcel Como. Favorite establishment uh, once you were of of age in Saskatoon playing for the Blades. Well, we had a great lap, Marnie. We had a Texas tea. We had Ezzy's over at over in the old uh, Saskatoon Inn, and then you could get into Confetti's if you're over 12 years old. You could sneak into there on a Wednesday night. So, um, yeah, okay. we were fortunate. We were, we were fortunate to have a pretty. And then the Pat was 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 a go-to. Um, there was no shortage back then, so it was always a fun place to be in Saskatoon. Your favorite golf course in Saskatchewan? Oh. Wasca Sioux's got, I mean, Riverside's the nicest course. It's in the best shape. Wasca Sioux's just like where the heart lives. It's just the trees. And it's, it's, I play I, I, probably the worst player up there. Those trees are like absolute shit your pants because it's, you got to trust your golf game that you don't have. Um, but yeah, your, there's, the, hey, what's your career round anywhere? 63. Where? 63 at the Willows. Yeah. Been on an absolute wagon day. It was gross. That was with a double on. On eight, island eight, hit a wedge, tried to stuff it in there and locked in the water. And then, yeah, was feeling it. It was actually funny. I was playing with, with Keegan McAvoy, yeah. Lee Fairburn, and Dean Seymour and I playing in the international. And uh, it was just wow. one of those afternoons where you were just rolling it. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. You must have I mean, a sil- you must have a silly and Huey uh, golf story somewhere. <laughs> You know what, the one, with it's outstanding. They came up the one year, I think it was around World Juniors for, for a press day, and we're playing the old city course. And that's between three and four, there's a train that runs through the golf course. So we get, we play three, and there's two groups sitting there, train stopped, and we're young. Well, we're just going to hop through the train here and get on the other side, and we're right gone. Well, we get through the middle of the train, and it starts moving. And all of a sudden, it's like, holy shit. We're like, the train's moving on both sides. And 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 uh, fortunately, it was just about done by the time we got to the caboose and we get through, and, and we just looked at each other like, "Holy God, that was we are could have been could have been three guys cut from the World Junior Team that day." I remember, I remember that uh, that train. Hey, this is uh, this has been a lot of fun, Sizzo, and uh, a long time coming. Uh, wow. Totally, uh, totally appreciate you hopping on the Monday Nooner. It's a pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Interview wrap-up for 2020 G.O. Maddox, Malcolm Vanstone and his team, proudly Saskatchewan-owned and operated. I know he was busy uh, this week up at the SARM convention in Saskatoon. Lots going on, land subdivision. If you've got some land to sell and you're thinking, you know what, like maybe we should section off this little uh, home part, keep the keep the house and whatever, but we should sell this land. Land is worth a lot right now. Why wouldn't you... Uh, Talk to 2020, locally owned and operated subdivision uh, surveying company outfit. Boz, do they stake it out? Like in this, I'm just asking like wintertime, what do they do? Like, yeah, do they, they do. Just yeah. stake it in the snow and then what happens when it melts, the stakes just like fall over. Like how do they get them, how do they get them deep? That's a little out of my wheelhouse. I'm sure Malcolm would be happy to affiliate on that, but I know they do. They do that stuff in the winter for sure. Uh Obviously, they're maybe not quite as busy when we're getting snowstorms and stuff like we had. But could I get the answer without an essay, though? Is that I might have to text Stefan, get him to get him to get the essay and then, and then write Cole's notes for me. Malcolm, just uh, guys, a weapon. We didn't have the week we wanted. Absolute beauty. Betting on the uh, Briar, but 
love chatting with Malcolm. He's a hilarious guy and uh, yeah, family owned and operated business here in Saskatchewan. We love supporting uh, people like that. So happy to have him on board. Interview recap. Uh, yeah. Scotty Sissons. Pretty good. And you know what? He, uh, he talks about how disappointed he was getting cut from that world junior team, but that must've been like, he, he held it together. Imagine how freaking pissed off you'd be. Cause Mike Sillinger, when we had him on, like I said, he said, Three like, this should have been on that team. No doubt about it. And, uh, yeah, a lot of cool little stories. I had no idea that Dave Stroosh was, uh, that highly touted as a kid. Wow. I knew he was good. Saskatoon guy. Yeah. But I always thought like Sissons was the guy, but Sissons was like, no, like Stroosh was like the Connor Bedard, Saskatoon. Hmm. Drafted or listed at like 10 years old. Yeah. Had a, no, it's had crazy. A steel like, deal. Like, like, like I was trying to uh, kind of ask and like I asked Scott about like how tight the hockey world is in terms of how hard it is to make it timing and breaks and one bad injury cost him a spot to play in the Olympics. And just like, man, there's thousands of players who are so close and just without that uh, break, he could have had a much different career, but still pretty cool to say he went sixth overall and uh, played three games in the NHL. There's a lot of hockey players who can't say that. So yeah, good guest. Very good. Senior hockey soiree for our friends at Great Western Brewing. We talked about them earlier and also our friends at Last Mountain Distillery, home of the local products, vodka and gin. They give 10% of the proceeds back to local charities. Well over $100,000 given back already for Last Mountain Distillery. We love everything they do in supporting of the Monday Nooner. So senior hockey, guys, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. We talked about it a lot in the show yesterday, the senior show we got A, B. No, which which ones could wrap up here in the next th- few days? We could have three of the provincials end this weekend. Uh, Friday night, Drake is in Winyard. Game one of A. Game two is Sunday and Drake's. Or yeah, Sunday and Drake. So that series could wind up this weekend, start and finish this weekend. In senior B, Wadena's up one zero. They can win on home ice on Saturday if they don't get it done on Saturday. They are going to play on Sunday, 5 o'clock, Game 3. So B will end this weekend. C gets fired up this weekend. C won't be done this weekend. One game uh, in Eston. And then Provincial D will wrap up this weekend as well. Kyle's got a couple chances on home ice to wrap things up with Carnduff. So for sure, two Provincial champions this weekend, possibly three. There it is. Great rundown. Now, we don't have everybody doesn't listen to the senior show that listens to this show. So let's just quickly go back to the bracket challenge. Thanks to the sponsors GB Construction, Richie Brothers Auctioneers, Roof Mart, Saskatoon, PA, and Regina, and Elk Ridge Resort. We're all vying for the trip to Elk Ridge and eight rounds of golf and a couple nights stay there. Beautiful resort in northern Saskatchewan. Why don't you give people a rundown? Because there was a little bit of a mix-up with our uh, bracket guy, but things are kind of clearing on the up and up now. Bracket guy who's volunteered a lot of his time, busy putting in 60 to 80 a week at his Monday to Friday. Uh, I saw, can I just jump in? I saw bracket guy the other day filling up his van for his regular job. He had (laughs) two trophies, a bunch of sandwich boards, looked like lawn chairs, jerseys mm. balls everything i'm dead serious and i was like hey what's with the hardware yeah so he is grinding 
Yeah. No. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a joke. I mean, I say that in jest, I guess you could say. He has been busy, but uh, he forgot to advance one of the winners. Basically, we have to tell the computer when somebody moves on and then it auto-populates the point totals. So there was a bit of a shift because he forgot to fill out one from a couple of rounds ago. So people that were in the mix that aren't in the mix anymore, apologize the way it is right now. It is correct. We're going to get the auditors to go through it and confirm everything looks good, but we're pretty comfortable with uh, what we have on the go. Currently, Dave DePap, I think he might be from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, actually, in uh, tie with Jolene Mansway. How do you guys pronounce that? M-A-N-S-U-Y. Mansway. Mansway. Mansui. Uh, Either way, they're tied for first. Four-way tie for third, Janet Ferguson, Brock's wife, Jason Schneider, snipe from Davidson, longtime bracketologist himself, uh, Kieran Fidget, and Kyle Roller. That's your top seven, I suppose. And then, uh, yeah, some other names still in the mix. I mentioned this kind of last show, but without getting into great detail, there is still five or six potential winners of this thing depending how things go. And I gave a little teaser on who could win if, if something happens on last show. One other thing I would say is that uh, if Carnduff were to win two games in Kyle, I think, think Kieran Figget or Fidget, I'm not sure, uh, would be the winner. He was heavy Carnduff. He's the only person out of the contenders who took Carnduff. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. That's one of the potential winners. I know Jolene could still run away with it. Uh, Stacy Newmeyer could potentially win. There's definitely a lot of people still in the mix. Sounds good. Quickly, let's <laughs> go to senior hockey leagues. And I, I, while you look up, maybe somebody to give the the player of the week tarp to from last week. Because I don't know if we had boots on the ground and gave everyone away boots on the ground style. But we do have, as we talked about, Wrapped up down in the southwest part of the province last week, the Gull Lake Greyhounds, they won the White Mud League. Then the Nauticue, Shane, put all, he bet everything he owned on a Cinnaboya, a repeat. Four, and, lo- and lost money. Four, four in a row for a Cinnaboya, Team Moose Jaw, going back to 17-18. Uh, though, and then the other league that wrapped up already, the Sask Prairie League, the Miota Combines. Who he were? They weren't the first place team in the league this year. So Miota back to back with a sweep of Turtleford. So those are the league champs. They're done. We talked about it yesterday. The Working Man's League, the Big Six, Redvers and Mooseman. They're into the league final. Freaking Redvers, twenty four games in a row in league and playoffs outside of provincials. What a run! For those Unreal. guys in the Sask West, Wilkie and Macklin, they're in a best of five. And right now, Wilkie's got a stranglehold hold there with the first two games won. Uh, Sask Alta, I forget. Uh, it's Lash Vegas and Metal Lake. Lake. Yes. So starts start, up Friday. Starts Friday. That is correct. Sask East. Yeah, we got Rock City hosting Theodore, game one Friday, game two in Theodore Saturday. More details in the senior show if you didn't listen yesterday. Dakota Odgers, Jeff's boy, I think we're going to give him player of the week because he scored a hat trick for Rock City in a convincing 
uh, game against their rivals in Langenberg. I think it was 5-1, and he had three big tucks. So obviously he uh, – I don't know if, if Jeff was big hat-trick guy, so maybe the Sun got more of the hands. Uh, I'm not sure. But Dakota's our player of the week for Last Mountain Distillery. Beauty. Sask and Valley Richie Highway. Brothers auctioneers. Always auction yeah. season. Yeah, always auction season. Thanks to Richie Brothers. Kyle, Alex, and Keniston in the Sask Valley. Best of five series game one. Happened was actually already. We actually recorded this, so we're not going to uh, let you know. Game two will go Thursday, which has already happened as well. Let's start no, that part no. all over. Thursday's tomorrow. Oh, Thursday's tomorrow. When it's are we releasing Wednesday. this? Wednesday, we think. Yeah, Wednesday the 15th. Okay, I'm you just going to... Anyways, Kyle and Keniston, they don't like each other. They're playing in the league final. And then Balcaris and Grenfell in the Coppel. And Shane, you got some uh, you got some info on that series. Balcaris came out of nowhere. I hear that Grenfell's supposed to be healthy. Balcaris is healthy. And I heard there's going to be a Div 3 dust-up. Could be some uh, a few Donnybrooks I'm hearing in this game. It's going to be ugly, dirty, nasty. Div three style type hockey. I love it. And we were talking, boys, if she goes the distance, we may have to get some BOTGs out there and get a look at what this game's going to bring. There's going to be some bumps, bruises, and scrapes in this one. Kent Bittner special. It's going to get a little greasy there. The last time that Balcaris won. 98. Yeah. Yes. Kent Bittner went end to end and backhand shelf with his Coho revolution. So we're told. Long Lake Hockey League, Wadena Davidson, Cyclones are up one nothing there at the time of recording. Twin Rivers, Dalmany and Birch Hills, best of five. Sabres lead one nothing at the time of recording. Sorry, this is all a little bit dated. And in the Sweetland, Crake is going to win. They were up 2-0 on Tisdale. They traveled to Tisdale this weekend. If they don't win, I don't know. Uh, yeah. It'll be bad. Yeah. If they don't win, game three will be, or game five will be Sunday and Crake. We'll have the three and three. If if Tisdale can win both at home, we've got a tight turnaround game five in Craig cannot see that happening, but uh, that's the sweet land and uh, looks like Craig's going to hang one and we'll see if next year they can get accepted into another league because we know they tried a couple uh, before this season. So, All right, Look take a seat. Take a seat time for Rusty Shovel, Sean Steffen. He'll be at the home show uh, with his Mexican tan. He's been spray tanning to keep it alive. He'll be looking good there. What 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 would be the what would be the thing right now that people would be wanting to visit Sean about? You're Take gonna it. they're gonna be wanting to make sure that they got the the artificial grass, their pavings, paving stones, or pavers, their edgings. Ooh. They're gonna make sure that it's ready to go. That they have it. Because they're planning. You better be planning because I'll tell you what, if you're not planning now, Sean might run out. He packs a lot of stock, but you want to get that ready to go. You want to plan, get it ordered, make sure he's ready to rock and roll. Packs a lot of stock. Yes, he does. Sean, Stefan, Rusty, Shovel. Went and saw him the other day, actually. Delivered his uh, Nooner license plate tarp, and I went to the main door and... uh I was like, hey, is Stefan here? And she's like, oh, he's like out back in like that yeah, little trailer thing they got there. Yeah. So I like come bombing up there, like just thinking he's going to be sitting in his office. Open the door. There's like five of them having like a round table meeting. I just like everyone just turns <laughs> to the door and looks at me. And like they're in the middle of like some sort of 
planning for the year or something. It was just, Budget I felt meetings. so awkward. Yeah. Like that's what it was. <laughs> like I didn't knock or anything. I just opened the door and smile and everyone like, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. we talked a little senior hockey before I departed and I uh, left him with his license plate tarp. I'll start, uh, take a seat. Love it. These are kind of silly. I don't know if, if, uh, so Tim Hortons roll up the rim to win. Don't mind. I actually like a Tim Tim Hortons coffee again. They've revamped, and I like their Java. But do you know how you get those memories on Facebook? And not so much me, but I remember people that would always put their Tim Hortons uh, roll-up-the-rim stats on Facebook. <laughs> like, oh, for 12. Like, nobody gives a shit. Take a seat, son. <laughs> I don't think people do it anymore, but take a seat to people that used to do that. You know what? Every time I get a Facebook memory, it is a take a seat to myself. Like when you see some of the things from like 2008, it's like, yeah. how did I put this on Facebook? Like, how <laughs> is this was a good cool. idea at the time? Or like some of your old, like what you thought were private messages are like show up as like messages on people's walls. It's like, man, that's one of my two. <laughs> that is funny. Wasn't that good. I, my first one was from a Monday nooner listener. And I have to say, it came in, it said, do you want a good take a seat, son? City team comes out and rents Strasburg ice for a U9 tourney. I hope this isn't yours. This might be us. Keep going. Playing cross ice. No, not us. Parent decides he doesn't want the net sliding around, so he grabs a drill. Oh, yeah, this isn't us. Because I actually, hey, I'm going to stop you right there. When we went out, I was there. I have, my cabin's closed. I'm I'm the first guy at the rink. I'm there before the rink guy, and I'm like, "Hey, we have to do this. This is how we have to play. Can I drill there?" He's like, "No." So I'm like, "Okay." So I don't drill there. I drill in the normal crease, and then I yeah. Anyway, carry on because I asked the question and I didn't do it because he told me I couldn't. So then, uh, yeah, there isn't cement in a lot of small town rinks like the cities. So Buddy and his drill. Hits a line. Uh, I knew that was going on. Brine all over the ice. Cancellation city. They had to cancel the U15 game that night. Uh, it was a provincial game. So take an absolute seat. Take a seat, son. To the guy that thought it was a good idea to take your drill out for a cross ice hockey game. And was this like from the city they came from? I got to find out who this was. I think it was. Wow. No, Good thing it wasn't you asked us. belts because if you would have just done it, could have been you. But I asked, hey, that's why I'm I'm big ask guy. Got to make sure you get permission in those small towns. Yeah. As if you're ask guy, you're big not. ask guy. Big hey, ask. Hey, you know guy. what? I'll go. Speaking of you nine, you seven. Take a seat to the coaches, the parents, managers who. Don't who are afraid of competition. They're afraid to put their good kid there. They they want to win these U nine and U seven games so bad that they like try to like stack the deck with their good players, and they they don't keep track of this stuff. They don't keep track of your stats. They don't keep track of the games won. Let the kids play against the good. Let the good kids play against the good kids. The average kids play. Let them all get better, so they can all improve. Stacking the deck and having your good players play against the bad players to win U nine games and U seven games. Take a seat. It's not helping anybody. Take a seat, son. E-A-S-S. Take a seat, son. Uh, One more. And, like, nobody get offended if this is you because I actually don't really care. I just think it's funny. Take a seat, couples who share a Facebook. Yes. 
Scott Chris the Temple. <laughs> just just yes. kidding. I don't know either of you. I'm sure you're really good people, but there's a lot of people out there. And then it's like, okay, like, not that I care, but it's like, who's writing this? Is it the, the right. man or the like, which person is writing this opinionated post? I want to know whose opinion this is. And I like the one where they're like, da, 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 and then like, this is Terry or <laughs> this is Bill. Like, they have to let you know who it is because, the, you know, the wife's like, Bill, you better put your name on that. I don't agree with you. That's crap. I don't agree with what you're saying there. It's like, well, frick, Wilma, make Bill get his own Facebook. If you both care about putting on Facebook, yeah, get your own profile, Uncle Bill. And uh, I say that, like I said, kind of jokingly, I don't care, but I just laugh every time I see one of those joint accounts. Take a seat, son. Hey, uh, that was take a seat, son, for the rusty shovel. We also, uh, before we get into the tirade here for uh, our friends at High Tech, let's give a big plug to GB Construction. Some more Monday Nooner merch, as we talked about in the senior show and earlier today, giving out a lot of fundraisers and people, you know, having fundraisers for other people that are going through some health issues and kids and all that. So GB Construction always steps up. They're like, what do you guys need? Let's get some gear made. And, um, you know, we do some on our own, but GB does the heavy lifting for most of it. And it's all quality stuff. We get it done through uh, Talbot Marketing and Colin McLeod. So thanks to GB Construction. I don't know if they're hiring because you need to be kind of skilled. Don't you? Al's always, he'll train you. Like we always said, he he hired the missing link at one point in time. He'll hire you. He'll give you a chance. (laughs) Alan Batters, happy belated 50th birthday. To he's president busy? CEO of GI yeah, shredded. Looks like he's guy looks like a bit of a man missile. He's 50 yeah. years old. I saw seen saw on social media. He was uh, celebrating. I think it was his 50th. Like I'm, I'm oh. 85% sure it said uh, 50th birthday. So anybody who knows uh big Al happy 50th buddy. Thanks for uh, the sponsorship. What a weapon. And yeah, GB, they do so much, like we mentioned, uh, in their communities and throughout Saskatchewan, an earth-moving construction company with roots and a main office located in Kipling, Saskatchewan. So a uh, big company who does a lot based in small town Saskatchewan. And the Nooner probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for GB's no. and main lines and, and all these sponsors that we mentioned, Absolutely. Great Western Brewing, all that. So, um, okay, do you have a tirade? If you, I got one if you don't have one. I can fill in. Could do I don't really have a tirade. It's not really like an angry tirade. It would have been more of a shout out. <laughs> Possibly take a seat. But I had this. <laughs> and it, it's going to... I don't want to predict harm on anybody. But I predict that something bad's going to happen here with uh, biking with big garbage bag guy. He's He's got all oh. the collectibles in there. <laughs> and he's got like three bags and he's biking down like circle drive in Saskatoon or down the Louvan in Regina. And he's got like all these collectibles. I get it. You're going to the, you know, the Gretzky's got some Gretzky jerseys going to collect and no like cans and bottles, man. Like he's ripping the Sarkan <laughs> to take all of his stuff back and he can't see anything. And he's in and out of traffic and people are going like 70 and I'm. it's starting to be it all the time now. One of these guys is gonna get smoked, so it's it's maybe not a tirade, but we gotta we gotta clamp down on the uh, biking with collectible garbage bag guy. <laughs> I oh, saw well. a guy biking down the number one highway last week. Come on, with like big bags and shit. Like obviously, like okay, like maybe this person is very poor, doesn't have money for a vehicle, whatever. But I'm talking like between McLean and Quapel, 
on the highway. It was probably minus 20. Like, what are you doing? What if he's just a fitness guy? I want to know what kind of viscosity he's using. Get a freaking Peloton like Mrs. S. Ride that thing for the winter. Like, you do not need to be, I mean, to to own their each, to each their own, uh, do whatever you want. But I was just like, I said that on purpose. But uh, yeah, number one highway, middle of March, minus 20 on a bike. I just, I, I'm not sold. And to fill in on it, I just hate bike guy who like, rides in the middle but they can't keep up to traffic they're going oh. like 35 and then they're like mad at you if you like pass them and go around them like yeah. hey, get the off the road we've you talked about that lot. i don't care if it's illegal just get off the road you're gonna get it's, run over i've i've mentioned this at least twice on the show but it's the yeah. worst when they get to a red light and then they oh. look both ways no one's coming so they go it's like if you want to follow yes. the rules of the road Engines. as a vehicle don't pull that shit wait exactly. for the green light yeah, Ooh, and then they get the arm up in the yeah. old uh, like this, and they turn. Yeah, I don't know what fucking way you're turning. Sorry, I don't remember that. Yeah, but just remember the arm signals. Just get out of the way. There's a sidewalk. The sidewalk. Yeah. There's a sidewalk and a bunch of back alleys. As the crow flies, you're gonna get there faster. Way Why fa- the road. No trap, and it's less stressful for you. You're not gonna get run over. Rose down mainline dodges and gonna run you over in the middle of the street. Oh god, you got one belts. Uh. I do. And we kind of japped about this a bit. And I think there has to be some sort of continuity. I'll use that word. Ooh, that's a big word for you. In in Hockey Regina, Hockey Canada, as far as suspensions go, you can't, like people getting suspended now for like, you call somebody a bad word. And I get like the racial terms. Don't agree with that. I totally agree with that. But you're using like, you call somebody anything, like you're a whatever. And you're getting suspended for like five, six, seven games, but you could literally hit somebody from behind like a dangerous play and you get like one or two games. And I'm not saying either is right or wrong, but I wish there would be some sort of a level of, I don't know if there's like a suspension guide or something like that, but it just seems like we were talking I, and my feelings on this are you could basically take your skate off, try to cut someone's head off. And you're going to get like three games, but you call somebody a bad word and you're going to get like five or six or seven or eight games. So it should be some sort of a, a better bit of a bit of no, a I know it might be a stretch the way I'm explaining it, but I wish there'd be some sort of a uh, more of a standard, I guess, on what you're going to get for that stuff. I don't think hockey. I can't see it, though. I get what you're saying, but I can't see the book coming out next fall. The Hockey Canada book. And it's like, if you right, use this word, here, uh, <laughs> pussy, yeah. that's uh, six games, six games. Six uh, yeah, they, games. Moved, they moved it up to uh, six yeah. games. Uh, fat ass. That's down to four. Down to four. Got One, reduced. Uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like calling somebody a certain term, like you can, it's I know it's white, hard. That's what you call them. I whereas, get it. Whereas a check, it's all subject to your own i know everyone yeah. thinks a certain hit is worse than somebody else like it's Agreed. not as cut and dry as subjective. like subjective it's subjective great word great, great word. word subjective that's what i was looking for but yeah to your point belts i saw you going at it with somebody on twitter uh the pilot there lucky linford about a lucky hit. love like, him you think it's a clean hit he thinks it's the most you know what i mean right. like everyone's got whereas you call somebody this bad term i mean it's cut and dry that's what it right. is whereas is that a one game hit or is that a six game hit? Well, it kind of depends who you ask, apparently. Okay, so would you think it would be fair then to maybe stack a suspension on top of an injury? Like if you do something and someone is out for 
four weeks, they cannot return. Should you be out for those that amount of time? If you hit somebody from behind, dirty hit, and they're out for the year, should you be out for the year? Like, could you do something like that? Would that be fair? Nah. Good question. Not, I don't know. Not so that... far off. The only, <laughs> then you're going to run into, you know, a, a lot of situations where, yeah, it was a dirty hit, but maybe the kid already had bad shoulders or no, I know I had a bad knee or or something like that. Yeah. You're there. There is something there. Like I think some of the, some of the dirty play, uh, you know, hits and whatnot are maybe a little bit too lenient sometimes. Right. And then the other side of it, where a verbal jap about someone's mom is going to get you, you know, written up for two months. Yeah. I'm not even going to get into it, but it's just like some of it's so ridiculous. Like there's just like some swearing and stuff and say like a, U13 double A game, some and not even directed at anybody, and they're getting like 10 games out of this because the yeah, it's it's so mind boggling. I don't I don't think I mentioned this on the show, but I actually uh I'm not I'm not a rec hockey or hockey hothead. Like I I got a pretty cool demeanor. demeanor. Like it takes me a lot to get pissed off in a rec hockey game. You're a big adult safe guy, game. Though. I'm a big uh garbage goal guy. Two yeah. to four inches is my average distance from the uh yeah, the net when I score, that's probably not much of an exaggeration. But I actually got I actually got kicked out at the end of one game. <laughs> I I told the ref off. He missed like a hundred calls, and then it was a one goal game, and our guy got taken down. And I I said something I shouldn't have said. Like fair enough. And he's like, just get the f out. You're done. And I was pretty embarrassed. Like that's never happened to me before, right? So I skated off with two minutes left and went to the room. And then I felt so bad. I'm like trying to track him down after the game. I'm like, oh, like I'm such a loser, right? And then I see him like two weeks later and I he's refing our game again. I'm like, hey man, like I'm sorry about that. Like, this what am I doing? Like, whatever. And he's like, What are you talking about? I was like, Oh, I called you a blah, blah, blah. He's like, Oh, fuck, that happens every night. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he he had no recollection of it. Where I was like for a week, I'm like, oh, that was so dumb. Like, what a loser. Yeah. Misconduct. Bad. Yeah. But he had no memory of it. I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, you should see the shit I hear on a nightly basis. Oh, I couldn't even imagine. Because some of that, like, adult safe shit, man, it, it gets well, another thing, dumb. I know we want to get going, but another thing, even to, even on top of this, well, this is totally separate, but I think there should be an adult mentor ref on the ice for U9 games and possibly even U11 games. I feel bad for some of these kids. Like, there's some, like, 10-year-old kids that, 9-year-old, or some people, 10 and 11-year-old kids that ref some U9 games. And like situation the other day, it was like the horn goes to change, and then they scored. It was like obviously a late goal, and we're like whatever. And the re- the the coach and their team's like, that's a goal. Like until like yelling at these poor kids, they're like, oh, okay, it's a goal. Like they're like scared shitless, right? The, there should be an adult on the ice helping the kids just to mentor them, just to simmer that stuff down so it doesn't happen, and so the kids can feel comfortable enough to make some calls and not get Whoa. intimidated. Because hey. We need these refs moving forward. You're going to lose them. Like, hey, it's mind-boggling to me. Oh, if I was a kid, there's no chance I'd put myself in that situation. No. Ref. And like, I and I can it? and I can honestly say I am not. I am always like help the ref guy. Like I am not. I don't care what they do. Whatever call they make, it doesn't matter to me because I want them to be around when our kids are playing freaking in Bantam and Pee Wee. You need those guys. So, yeah, it's freaking unbelievable. Here, I got another angle on this. That's. So we had somebody tweet us. This is a take a seat. Somebody tweeted us calling out. Somebody created a Twitter account, anonymous Twitter account, 
that was a new Twitter account to tweet at us about a senior player who was coaching a minor hockey game and should be ashamed and blah, blah, blah. Like take a seat to anybody who doesn't have a thick enough skin to create their own account or use the real account that they're making up fake Twitter accounts to try and bury people. Like it's, it's crazy. I missed that one. Yeah. I'm not going to get into names or anything. Cause it's, go it's like it the, all the parents are embarrassed. And then somebody on the other team, this is a U 11 or 13 game. Somebody on the other town was like, yeah, it wasn't People even just, that. They said it wasn't even that bad. Yeah, I'm like on the that. other team. Like what a just, bunch of pigeons. Like, why? Like, if you have a problem with it, call your league or hockey Saskatchewan or whatever. But to make right. up a freaking burner account, like you are this, you're a scum. You're no right. better than. Anyway, we're rambling That's here so now, funny. and uh, we didn't even it. give high tech their read, but they high got a tech hell of profile a segment. Anything you need when it comes to metal, and fix it. Make you should want to go with me. You should want to go with coffee with Trent Myers. He's an absolute make weapon. a metal referee. Yeah, big metal referee guy, full size adult. Try yeah, the Meyer Myers and his crew there, awesome work. If you have, but if you do need anything, right at the farm or around the house, and you're like, oh, I wonder if I can get that made. High tech profiles, uh, metal fabrication, Saskatoon and Regina. They ship. They can get it all done. Wait, what am I missing there, Brandon? Yeah, I don't know. Fire pits. Oh, beautiful fire pits. It's fire pit to be that season. Anything, anything metal, right? They can uh, get it done more than 25 years in business. If you've got uh, questions or want to know more, high tech, H I T E C profiles.com. Been with us for a long time. We appreciate uh, their support. And I think that'll do it, boys. One, five, three in the books. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week and we'll be getting close to putting a wrap on senior season on next week's show. Crazy. All right. Time flies. See you later. Bye.